Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary boxing trainer Teddy Atlas. Teddy, the carnival was in town Saturday night, and the chief carnival barker, Oscar De La Hoya, was on full display. How'd you like the Triller broadcast? Well, before I even go there, um, I wore this sweatshirt for a reason. Because I'm sure that all the fanatics, all the crazies out there, and and fans, he's got, I mean, they're real fans. They have their right to, and I, I admire them for being loyal and for being behind somebody. But all these poor fans, they will believe that he's ready for either one of these guys. Matter of fact, that they might just be tune-ups um, <laughs> for the next one for Paul. You know, I mean, uh, his fans would say, yeah. Um, he can handle those guys, a guy named what, Canelo and Golovkin. Yeah, bring them on. Bring them on. No, no <laughs> problem. Because there is no limit to people's imagination when you get into this kind of world. And we're in this world. Make no doubt about it. You know, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> we, we, we're in Star Trek. We're, we're in Star Trek mode right now. And so, and obviously, uh, obviously, as you just mentioned, Oscar, Oscar has been beamed up already. He's, he's, he's been beamed up. And there is no limitations on where we can go. These two guys, ah, cannon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> cannon fodder, baby. So I, I had to do that. Um, it might get a little warm as I get going with this stuff. Um, so I might wind up taking it off. But I had to start with it. Uh, as far as the production, uh, are you still high? <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the, the one thing I wanted to say is like, I have no problem with people want to drink, you want to smoke weed, no problems at all. But I, there were a lot of kids watching the fight. Paul has a large you don't uh, need to curse. audience. You don't need to be cursing like that. 100%. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, listen. It didn't I, add to I, it. Said, it didn't add anything. Are you cool if you curse? I don't know. I I I don't know. Am I am I an old uh, curmudgeon because I don't think you should be cur? I don't know. Maybe I am, or maybe maybe I speak for a lot of people. I haven't lost faith in people. Maybe I speak for a lot of people that don't think that that is necessary. Um, every other word to be coming out. But it, listen, getting to Oscar, you know, I, I it was. It was tough. It was tough because it brought me back. I started watching. I said, what does this remind me of? Because I'm trying to connect it. You know, I do that. I'm trying to get some connection to something that, not relevance, but some precedent for this, something. And I said, I got it. Jerry Springer. <laughs> Jerry Springer. I mean, he was the first to kind of bring in that type of, you know, entertainment, if you will, right? Television. And... It basically was people that were, they were troubled and they were on television. They had spats going with their loved ones or they had trouble going on in their life. And they, but they were, they were people that were a little bit troubled uh, and a little lost. And I don't think this is too harsh. Jerry was very brilliant and he found a way to kind of have a laugh on their expense. Really, I, I, I think, listen, I try to tell the truth here. I mean, I, I don't know if there's still room for the truth all the time nowadays, but, I mean, that's pretty basic, and, and it worked. 
It worked. It made a lot of money and it got views. But the one or two times, I'm being honest, that I watched it, I could never watch it. I only probably did look at it maybe once or twice, Jerry Springer, but I couldn't watch it long because I got embarrassed for the people. I felt It, it felt uncomfortable. And that's kind of how I felt when I was watching Oscar. I felt uncomfortable. I felt like he's got problems, but I didn't want to be part of the problem. I didn't want to be part of the laughing at again at his expense. I, I just didn't, just like I used to turn the Jerry Springer off, I, I, I turned it off. I went, I went back to the UFC, went back to tweeting uh, and watching the UFC fights. And then I asked you guys, matter of fact, to give me a heads up, you and Rob, when the actual Paul fight was getting in the ring so I could get over there to watch that because we have to talk about it, obviously. It's, it's an event and a lot of people are, were watching it on both sides. You know, with the side of Askren of, as the professional fighter and Paul being his phenomena that is making money because he started off having all these followers and then dedicated himself to learning the sport. I give him credit for that. And, you know, and taking advantage of the times, taking advantage of the YouTube mentality. You know, you know with all those followers, you know what it made me think of? I also thought, what does this make me think of? That made me think of The Matrix, where they're, they, they're taking video and bring it into real life. Like, like they took the video games and they found a way. They're geniuses. The trailer people, hats off to you, geniuses, making money. And they said, we're going to take the video population and popularity and we're going to take that culture, we're going to take that that group, that, that, that demographic of people that are into the YouTube, that are good at that stuff and, and the followers, and we're going to take it one step further. We're going to take it to virtual reality. We're going to take it from there and bring it live, where you can play video goes live, where your video games become live, where there's real punches, real blood, and, and it's the Matrix. When they, when they take that tube off and boom, you, you, you're back into the world. You know, remember they, they had them all in those, in those cocoons and then they, they showed them, oh my God. And then they pulled the tube out and they bring them in. That, that's what they did. They pulled the tube out. They're brilliant. And they, they brought them into real life videos. And that's what we're doing. We're watching real life video games. I mean, that, that's, it's pretty incredible. And look, they're getting the numbers again. You brought up Oscar, you brought up that part, rightfully so, brought up the, that part of it first. That's all I can tell you, the truth, that just like the Jerry Springer, I, I don't get kicks out of watching people suffer, out of watching people, you know, get laughed at. It's, it's, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And that's why I went away from it. I went away from it. Frank Mir had a good comment. He is the uh, former UFC heavyweight champion, lost a decision to Steve Cunningham on the undercard of that Trilla show. And he said something to the effect of, doesn't Oscar have anyone around him? Like addiction's not a joke. And, and I know firsthand because Frank's gone through addiction and he said like it's, it's painful watching Oscar clearly in the throes of addiction and no one close to him like get this guy off the microphone. I mean, it's, it's all, spoken, we can all laugh. Spoken like a decent man. Spoken yes. like a decent man. Frank Mir. And, and, and I'm sure there's many Frank Mears out there. Really, I haven't given up hope on, on, 
on humanity. I mean, there's, there's, and, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong. Like you said, if you want to party, you want to have fun, uh, and and you're allowed to smoke weed, fine. But there's a there's a place for everything. Exactly. I I just think at that place at that time was something serious where people can get hurt in a ring. That that's when we push it all away. Someone could get hurt in the ring. Even though the guys at YouTube, still, the guy's trained, he's big, he's strong. The other guy's not a striker. He left himself very open. We'll get to that more later. Someone could get hurt. So when you push it all away, there is a, well, there's a serious connotation to it. There is a serious element uh, over this. And I just felt that, again, like Frank Mir said, that there was no place for that and it's serious. Um and to be making fun and, again, to be, you know, joking at, at his expense. Glorifying drug use. Yeah, and and, and, Not and cool. laughing at a guy that is lost. A guy that we've talked about it on our program before, um, Ken. This ain't the first time we, we went down that road. You know, he, he's lost. And, and that's a great point. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that there's no one around him that can... Give him better advice that that can steer him a little bit in the right direction. Whether it's to at the very least not put him on TV when he's clearly and like whacked out. Well, that's part of it. And the other thing is, these guys were acting like high school kids who just had their first drink. Like, dude, okay, you want to drink and smoke weed? That's one thing. But acting like it's the first time you've ever had a drink and like having a point out that this one's smoking and that one's smoking. Like, give it a rest already. Like, act like you've been there before. Anyway, I digress. Oh. Hey, guys, quick break here to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, privacy.com. Incredible service. Privacy.com lets you buy things online and send money using a virtual card instead of having to use a real credit card or debit cards. This is an incredible service, honestly. As someone who's had my credit card information hacked online, I now exclusively use privacy.com for all my online purchases. It's completely free to use. No charges, no hidden fees. It allows you to track all your online purchases in one place, and you can even get 1% cash back on all purchases if you use their pro service. If you'd like to give it a try, head over to privacy.com slash atlas and you'll automatically get five bucks to spend on your first purchase if you sign up now. Again, head over to privacy.com slash atlas, A-T-L-A-S, to try this service for free and get five bucks to spend on your first purchase when you sign up. Again, having your credit card information stolen online is a painful experience. Once you're in that spider web, it takes not only a ton of time, but a huge amount of effort to get this thing resolved. So I use privacy.com, highly recommend these guys, give them a shot. Let's talk about the fights. The one highlight or low light was uh, Regis Progray gets a win over Ivan Redcatch. Uh, massively controversial. He hit him with a body shot. They showed t 25 replays. Doesn't look like it hit him low whatsoever. To be honest, it didn't even look like the punch landed that cleanly. Ivan went down like he'd been shot with a bazooka from the stands. Had to be stretchered out. Uh, I know Regis wasn't happy. I did hear this morning from someone that they have reversed it and they're going to give him a technical knockout win upon further review that the Georgia State Athletic Commission is uh, it has has made that announcement. I don't know if it's official yet, but that's what I heard. Um, what did you think of Regis's performance up to the uh, low blow, uh, alleged low blow? Listen, it, it was they we like 
Pro, listen, Pro Grace is a real fighter. Pro Grace is a top-level fighter, former world champion, uh, lost his title to Taylor over in London uh, in a really Split decision. Really good fight, really close. I thought Taylor won, but very close, very mm-hmm. close. Um, Pro Grace, terrific fighter, um, top guy. You know, this was a layup. This was an early Christmas gift for them. You know, again, truth is the truth. Uh, they, You know, it didn't matter where they put it on. They put it on there. But they were giving them an easy one. You know, there's plenty of tough ones in front of them, uh, especially in that division. But Red Clay, Red Cash is is not that level. He's, his history shows you that he loses at the next level. So, so nothing to be learned there. Nothing to be surprised about there. He did what he was supposed to do. He lost at the next level. Um, he's also a little bit used up. Uh, besides losing at the next level, besides being a guy Red Cash that uh, has never been able to win, uh, you know, uh, as I said at the next level, he's he's a guy that's been used up a bit, and he was there. F- you know, he was there, and I'm, I was about to say for a payday, but I, I can't read his mind. He was there, and it didn't have a good look at the end. Uh, first of all, the commission, the referee made a mistake where he thought he got hit low, and he was giving him time to recuperate because he thought it was a low blow. First thing, I have a problem there. You know why, Ken? That's what you have instant replay for. Use it. Bring Boxing, bring yourself to the 21st century. Really? Bring yourself to the 21st. Every sport uses instant replay when there's television available. There was television available. Go freaking spend 45 seconds and look at the replay and say, oh, no, it wasn't a low blow. <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that's number one. That, 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 that shouldn't have been going on. Uh, they should have seen and used, again, used what was available uh, with the camera, with the television, uh, used that technology to see and then make the right call. But it looked like a forearm glanced off his side. Not a fist, but but a forearm, to be fair. So we don't know. We don't know what it could have done. It it, it had a bad look to it. And, and, and from us doing our due diligence, you doing the due diligence, Rob doing the due diligence, we reached out, and from all reports, uh, he, was, he didn't spend time in a hospital. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was treated for anything. So, we, you know, it, 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 looks like, it looks like it looked that night, like um, maybe he found a way out, or if it was an injury, it wasn't serious, it was temporary, it was very temporary. And listen, thank God he's okay. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a fight that was never going to be competitive. Um, again, it was a freebie given to a, to a real fighter in progress. Hey, God bless him. Let him get it. He deserves it. He's got plenty of tough ones in front of him. But it, it wasn't necessarily something that you, you want to pay money to watch. Uh, but again, it was on the undercard. People that were paying the $50 or whatever it was, they were paying to see the other fight. They, was, they were paying to see the, uh, the event uh, of the night, uh, which was, of course, going to be Paul and Askren. So uh, uh, that, that's, that's all there is to be said about that. Is, uh, you know, uh, and, and the one other thing I add to it, I like accuracy. If somebody's being paid to be a pro with me as a commentator, as a trainer, you know, whatever it is, us doing what we're doing here uh, to deliver the truth, um, I, I like accuracy. And I'm not saying that people are barking for their meals or howling for their meals or whatever, but sometimes I, I wonder if it's just they don't know 
or they're barking for their meals, trying to make the event a little bit better. But one of the commentators kept saying that Prograis is a great puncher. He's not a great puncher. He's a good puncher. He's a good, solid puncher. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but when you start throwing those words around, great, you lose some of your credibility. You know, you, you lose some of the worth of that word. I mean, again, if I see, if I have a commentary, I want him to be accurate. I want him to, I want him to tell me things that are within the realm of accuracy as a professional. I really do. I really, I hold people accountable. And you know, to go over and say, oh, he's a great puncher. You got to be, no, if he was a great puncher, he probably would have gotten rid of him with one of those punches earlier. He's a good, solid puncher. He catches you clean. He's a very wily guy talking about pro grace. Uh, he's, he's good defensively. You know, he, he's got an awkward style, an unorthodox style. Uh, he's, like I said, he's a cutie. He's, he's, he's smart. He's, he's uh, the old timers would say a cutie, but he's slick. He's a slick fighter. He's, he, he's an intelligent fighter. He's a talented fighter. He's got good legs, good hand speed, puts the punches together at the right time, catches your clean punches where he can affect you. But to say great punch, use, reserve that for, you know, Tommy Hearns. Reserve that, you know, for lightweight Roberto Duran. You reserve that for the great uh, light heavyweight champion of the past, Bob Forster. You know, uh, Marvin Hagler. Uh, you know, reserve it for the right places. Uh, John Mugabe, who Marvin Hagler fought when nobody else would fight him and took him apart. Uh, you know, reserve it for those that kind of power, that kind of explosive TNT, you know, power. Uh, you know, don't just throw it around. Carlos Zarate, the great bantamweight champ from Mexico, you know, those kind of guys. But just to just to throw that word around because it makes the, I don't know why, I'm not in their mind. Maybe because they don't know better. Or maybe, again, because they're trying to make the vet uh, give you a reason to stay with it. Either way, it's got to be better than that. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'll be interested, and you will, and we all will, to see Prograce, you know, in a real fight, in a, in a fight yeah. of, his, of, of his caliber. Yeah, and I know from talking to him, he wants the big fights. He doesn't have a promoter right now, so he has a little bit of flexibility. So it will be interesting to see who he fights next. Uh, that brings us to the main event. Um, ben Askren knocked out under two minutes. He basically didn't take any of the advice you gave him. Uh, snapped the jab. He pushed the jab. You told him, don't watch out for the right hand. If you're pushing the jab, he's going to come over with the right hand. That's exactly what happened. Hit him on the temple. The one little hum in a humble way that I would... I would give to you concentrate on distance, being aware of range and your jab. Yes, Just sir. keep it real basic and, and throw a snappy jab. When I say range, make sure you're not thrown away. He can counter you with the right hand because he will look to counter with the right hand. So make sure you're at a far enough proper distance where you're getting full extension on a jab because if you're throwing it at three-quarter distance, he's got the range where he can throw that right hand over it. So make sure you're at the proper distance, the proper range. I thought the ref stopped it a little early. I think if the roles were reversed, there's no way they waved that fight off with Paul and all the money in the future with, uh, with a Paul win. But nevertheless, they stop, he stops Ben under two minutes i was needless to say shocked it was interesting to see all the messages i received of people gloating as if they had like all the technical analysis in the world and weren't just 
picking Paul in a popularity contest. I thought Ben's athletic experience would get him through and the competitiveness and his ex- and and his compete and all the experience, but wasn't to be. And uh, Paul blasted him right out of there. And uh, man, that's an embarrassing one, embarrassing one for Ben. But if anyone can bounce back from it, it'll be Ben. Curious to see what uh, what what's next for Paul. What'd you think of the event of the of the the main event? Yeah, well, first of all, again, I always evoke the uh, the thoughts or the memory of the the words of the great, the former great broadcaster Warner Wolf. Go to the videotape. Let's go to the videotape. Go back a few ye- weeks ago to one of our podcasts when we were starting to uh, talk about this and and preview this coming event with Askren, Askren and um and Paul. I remember saying, uh, Paul, Paul's going to win it. I remember, I mean, again, go to the videotape. I remember saying, Paul, don't be fooled because the other guy's a professional fighter, professional athlete, all that stuff. This guy's a YouTuber. This guy has just been doing it for a few years, and he's taking boxing lessons, and he's taking it serious. But still, um, I remember my words, styles make fights. Remember saying that styles make fights, and no matter how you try to dress it up or try to avoid certain parts of it because of whatever side you want to be on, Askren was never as much as he was a great wrestler, as much as he was a tough son of a gun and an MMA champion and all that stuff, and a professional athlete. He wasn't a boxer. He wasn't a striker. He he didn't know anything about it. Matter of fact, he was so honest on our show, and he was gracious enough to come on our show. You know. Uh, but he was so honest, Ken, he, when, when he said, I'm the worst striker uh, in MMA. And then he, he, backed, he, you know, he, he backed up on it a little bit and said, well, maybe not quite the worst. But, but he, he was, I mean, you couldn't be more honest and you couldn't be more gracious. You couldn't be a better guy than he was. Um, and we appreciate he came on the show. Listen, again, there's a reason why weeks ago when we were previewing it, I said, you know, most people would think coming from my background, I'd be going with the professional, you know, wrestler, the professional fighter. But no, I felt Paul would win this. I felt that, you know, he was smart to pick this because of the reasons I just said. And, you know, that he would, we'd all look at the disadvantages, but not the advantages that he would have. And some of those events, when you when you push away from it, that this guy's a YouTuber, you got to push that away. When you push that away and you look at what you need to look when you handicap a fight, first of all, he's naturally the bigger guy. I know that that doesn't matter if you're in a real fight with a real boxer. Like if you put him in with one of these guys, you know, I, I'll go with him again. You know these guys, <laughs> these, 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 these warm-up backs for, for Paul, you guys out there, the... the I, I'm just saying, if you put them in, and I'm not knocking them, but if you put them in with one of these guys, then the 20-pound difference doesn't really matter. It's it's really not going to matter. I know some people, it's not. Then the technique, then being a fighter, then all those things, you know, the, the experience, the ability, then those things are going to come to front. They are. They are. And they're going to come fast. But... Taking nothing away from the guy. The guy worked hard to to learn uh, and and respected the sport. That's what I like about Paul. He respected the sport. You know, he went out there and he he did it the right way. And he got boxing lessons and and he learned and he dedicated himself, committed himself to doing this the right way. But the the point I'm making is that when 
you don't have those skills, and Askren didn't have those skills. Well, then his size does matter. So you had a guy who was a natural 190-pounder in good shape in Paul with a Askren. Again, he said it on our show, Ken, and a lot of people listened. We had over 300,000 views on that show. I mean, he said it. He said that I usually fight because I remember asking him the question, what's your natural weight? What's your best weight You know, for a fight? He said 170. And he's one, and he he's coming in one ninety because that's what the contract called. And he had hip surgery. I'm making no excuses, but he had hip surgery in September. He went way over two hundred. Who knows how heavy he really was? But he said he was way over two hundred pounds. So, and he said in camp, all he did was try to get his weight down at first before he could get into any kind of you know serious training. So, look, if you got if you pushed away again. You know, from the distraction of the guy being just a YouTuber. If you're pushed away from that and you start to look at what I'm looking at, then you start to say, yeah, you know, it it, it kind of made, made sense. And again, Askren, you know, Askren is a guy that obviously had no background in striking, no abilities, no development in striking. It showed. But the one thing you can't do is what he did. You can't do that. And and to some people, I can see where some people would think, and we don't think this at all, but again, we get out of everything. Like I said, you know, you I see you got no stains in your shirt. Your wife put that extra detergent, and you, there it is, beautiful shirt, nice and clean, pressed. You got a great wife, unbelievable. And, and, and you, you, there's no spots in that shirt because she does the extra. She, we do that. We, we don't leave spots. We, we, we make sure that we... We get everything out in the wash. We get it all out. And it almost looked like he was throwing a fight. Like if you wanted to, you know, kind of like a, like, like the, uh, kind of like the, the great movie. It was one of the best boxing movies. Some people voted the best boxing movie of all time, The Raging Bull, where he had to take the dive against Billy Fox. And he just kind of like, and, you know, and then he went back in the locker room and started crying because he, he had to throw the fight so the wise guys would give him a title fight because back in those days, you know, Frankie Cabo and the wise guys, you know, they controlled, they controlled boxing to a certain degree. So it almost looked like a Koryev sort of moment, like in a movie, like in a boxer movie, like like he left himself open so he could get hit, and you know he could get to that to that you know that place. Now, of course, we know that wasn't the case. It was just it was just incompetence. It was just n- lack of training, lack of awareness in that kind of. And a lot of people say, Teddy, how can he have lack of where he's a fighter, but not in not in that environment. Not in a striking environment. In in his environment, he would have went low. He knew what to do. He would go low. He'd get to your legs and he'd get you on the ground and do do what he does. But in this environment, he didn't know what to do. And I, again, I have to fault some people. You know, I uh, I feel like uh, Marlon Brando in uh, Godfather. You know, I love to reference movies uh, where he said... But if something was to happen to my son, if he was to hang himself in a jail cell, if a policeman was to shoot him, uh, if he was to have an accident, then, then I will hold people in this room accountable. But that aside, let me be the one to say it will not be me <laughs> that will break this peace that we made here today. Well, I, 
I have to hold some people accountable. I'm sorry. He said he spent 12 weeks with Freddie Roach at the, you know, and I'm not going after Freddie Roach, but whoever it is, with Freddie Roach in the wild card gym, you know, Freddie Roach, great trainer, all that, right? We, I think, to, to be clear, I think he spent 12 weeks training. I think he was with Freddie for one week of uh, the 12. Well, he said he was at the wild card for, for a good... Yeah, yeah, for, no, he for, was for, there for, for a week. For, for a while beyond that, beyond the week, I think. But whatever it is, whoever, listen, I'm not... Trying to say Freddie Rhodes. He mentioned Freddie Rhodes, so I brought his name up. But but whoever, yeah. whoever, somebody trained him. Freddie Rhodes trained him for a week, maybe more, maybe less. All right, fine. He's a great trainer. We know that. But whoever trained him, really, I know it's his job to execute. Again, I get it. I know that it's still up to Ben. I get it. Uh, you know, I, I've had fighters where I thought I trained him great and we still didn't win. All right. But... You gotta, you gotta be better than that. You you gotta you gotta get them to where the. It's kind of like this is one thing you're not gonna do, like like it's gotta be that really because if I'm t- that's the one the one thing you can't do because as you said on a, a moment ago, uh, he did exactly what you told him not to do. Push the job, waited for and what didn't watch out for overhand right and it less than two minutes into the fight he did exactly what you told him not to do and he was face down on the canvas well how do i know that because i'm a professional boxing trainer that that's how i know it i, I mean so i know the people he was with they're professional boxing trainer you got to know that. so you got to tell him the same thing because i knew the one thing that he could do is leave a champ out there slow too long and get counted because i i I mean, I did my homework just for this show. Forget about training the guy, what I would have done. But just for this show, I looked at Paul. I saw that one of the things he does well is he throws a right-hand counter. You know, he did that with, with Nate Robinson, the basketball player. You know, he threw a good right-hand counter. He, he's looking to do that. Somebody taught him to do that. And he's, you know, he's strong. He's a big guy. He can punch a little bit. So he's looking to do that. So the one thing that reason I said it on our air, on our show, is that one thing you can't do is leave an open window for that punch because you know he's prone to throwing it. You have to do your scouting. You have to be aware of what you're fighting. You know, if he was fighting a, a, a MMA guy, he'd be, he'd be aware of what the guy's strengths and weaknesses are. Same thing here. Same respect here. Same preparation here. And the guy training him, who taking a check, I, I have to guess he didn't do it for free. So whoever's training him, part of your response, you're taking that check, then your responsibility. You got to make sure it's better than that. Again, it's his, it's his job to, I get it, I get it. But still, still, you got you to gotta prepare him better than that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. People don't like it, don't like it. But you got to be bad. And I'd take it too if it was me. If I trained him and he did that, I'd say, oh my God, I, I, I got to turn in my license. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh, really. Because the one thing he can't do is this. Because you're leaving the window open for the right hand. It's something that we just said we know he does well. We know he throws a right hand counter over a jab well. So you don't do that. You're better off not even throwing the jab. I, not even drawing it. <laughs> but you don't do that. So what I'm saying is, 
And I always say to the fighters, Ken, you've been there when I've said it, a jab is great. People love to say, use the jab, use the jab. The jab is a great weapon. It's a dangerous weapon if you don't use it the right way because it leaves a hole for a counter right there. Yeah, it's a great weapon. It's a great weapon. It does. It, it sets up defense. It sets up offense. sets the table so you can eat. It, it controls range. It keeps your opponent defensive. It, it puts bugs on the windshield when you're coming forward so he can't see you coming in if it's thrown right. But if you throw the jab the wrong way at the wrong thing, too close to him and you throw it slow in a predictable timing manner it's a bad punch to throw because it leads to a counter right hand so it's a great punch but it's got to be thrown the right way the right time you got to understand but i'm just i want to just you got to understand the other side of it it's a great punch but there's a danger to it if if you don't use it the right way uh like there is in a lot of things in life and that's the one thing he had to be he had to be aware of. And that's why I said it on our air. That's the one thing you gotta be aware of. And and what did he do? He went out there and he Anyway. Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. I kept and I was gonna say Paul did land a couple decent body shots early on, which might have been in his mind too, but still that was uh he did exactly what you told him not to do. But to Paul's credit, he uh he mixed up some punches well. Granted he wasn't in there with John Mugabe, but he was uh he did what he was exactly what he had to do. Listen, to to Paul's credit, uh, as I said a little bit, and I'll say a little more, just to make sure that people don't have potatoes in their ears, you know, uh, that, that they hear it. I give him credit. I give the Triller people, I give the geniuses to see the market for this. I, I give him credit uh, for if he's going to do this, do it right, prepare right, take pride in how you do it and go and respect the sport. So I give him credit for that. I give him all the credit. He should get credit for that. Um, and I'll tell you one other thing that he's doing right. A little bit, and people don't get crazy when I say this, because I explain it that I'm not saying he's like him, but a little bit like Floyd Mayweather, where Floyd Mayweather later in his career was very good. We know he's a great fighter and a great defensive fighter, a great counterpuncher, but, and a great promoter, but he was also great at management at selecting his opponents late in his career. Very smart. Very smart at picking the right opponents. Paul's very smart at that. Or somebody is. Somebody with him is. And he deserves credit for that too. That he's selecting his spots. Kind of like Mayweather. And listen, please, I'm not comparing the caliber of opponents that Mayweather was fighting even when he was selecting them. I'm not I'm not comparing that with the caliber of opponents that Paul is selecting. I'm just saying <laughs> that he's, he's using the noodle and, and there's science to this. They're not just going out there, you know, and, and just throwing crap against the wall and saying, uh, whoever's there will fight. No, they've thought this out in a very well thought way and they're, they're going down the road with it uh, in a smart way that's making them millions of dollars. Uh, and they're taking advantage of, a, as I said earlier, of, of a time right now where they can exploit this with, with that audience, that there is that audience uh, to, to bring them into the fold. So, you know, uh, again, just uh, 
you know, you wonder who he's going to fight next because obviously this train's going to keep rolling right down the track. You know, it's a gravy, <laughs> it's a gravy train, right? Yeah, you couldn't probably sure. use you uh, right. You couldn't use better selective of uh, of words for that one. It's a gravy train, and the gravy yeah. train going to keep rolling, rolling on down the road. You know. Hey guys, quick break to give a shout out to PremierFightPicks.com. Premier Fight Picks is a top MMA handicapping service run by my man Bardia Helmy. Honestly, guys, Bardia is excellent at picking fights. He has a 70% winning, winning record, publicly tracked for over two and a half years. Bardia was spot on for the big fight this past weekend as he had Jake Paul to win by KO inside two rounds at plus 450 odds, plus 450 odds. 100 bucks would have paid you 450. If you'd like to bet on fights and you're looking for help picking winners, visit premierfightpicks.com to subscribe. Bardia is offering a special weekly subscription for only 50 bucks. You'll get all his picks for UFC 261. His subscribers have won on the last four UFC pay-per-view event, pay events in a row. Go check them out again, premierfightpicks.com. Dude, this guy has got the inside track. He, I literally don't make a bet without checking to see what Bardia is doing first. He knows his stuff. When it comes to betting, he's your man. Again, he had Jake Paul. I disagreed with him. He was right. I was wrong. Well done, Bardia. Check him out. PremierFightPicks.com. One other low light I want to point out before we move on to the UFC is, can you imagine Michael Buffer? He gets paid to come and announce one fight, just one, and he gets Ben Askren. He called him Ben Askew. I was like, come on, Michael Buffer. Was he I? I know I'm not uh, being a wise guy, but I'm not. But um, I mean, I'm, 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 no, I'm just asking a question that I think is prevalent in, in, the, in where we are right now. Was he I? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm just saying. I mean, everybody, everybody was talking about being high that night. I mean, uh, uh, you know. I mean, but, you know, we're not talking about a guy they announced this guy. We just pulled him out of the crowd. A, he has his name written down. B, Ben Askren. Okay, he didn't have a great performance there, but he's a well-known commodity. He's been a champion all over the place, Olympic wrestler. I mean, you only your only job is announce the fighters. You're gonna call it. Uh, to me, I found it so insulting. Imagine if someone came in and introduced you the wrong name on a cut. They had like a million and a half subscribers. I agree. You get, and he gets paid a lot of. And listen, everybody was getting paid more money than they'd usually get. I'm, I'm not gonna Way try more. to go. I'm not gonna try to go to a place where you know I, I can't be a hundred percent accurate. But I'm I'm accurate. I, I'm not gonna put the exact dollar number. Then I would be wrong. But everyone's getting paid more than they normally would get paid in a marketplace. Yes, and, 100%, and, and he, including the fighters. And, yeah, and including that ring announcer you're talking about. And he got, so for that, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you got to do a better job, better, you got to be better than that. But listen, the, the guy's 90 years old. I mean, the guy, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm joking. I don't know how old he is, but I mean, the guy, uh, my God, he, 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 he ain't. He looks like he's 35. Uh, well, you keep getting that surgery too, and you, you look like you're 22. Yeah, 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 I mean, come on. I mean, uh, somebody will probably call in, give you a good name of a good, you know, guy that does that. I mean, but you don't need it. You don't need it. Uh, thank God you don't need it. You're not there yet. But from what I hear in Hollywood, the guys used to do, uh, they they start clipping. They call it clipping. They do a little clipping, yeah. you know, early because so you don't <laughs> wait till it gets you know real bad. And yeah. so I guess the, he's probably been doing a little clipping. But um, but again, he uh, I I don't know how old the guy is, but maybe he ain't no youngin anymore. You know, this guy is uh, 
Remember that commercial? Remember, remember that commercial where as long as wanted, why not call? As long as I'm freaking already, you know, <laughs> what, what the hell? Uh, I might as well go all in, right? I've already jumped in a pool. Well, it's not like I can't get any wetter, right? I mean, what yeah, the hell? Yeah. So remember when he did that commercial where he pulled the mask off, you know, and, and it was him. He had some other face. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I'm wondering if he's, that's all. I said enough. <laughs> get the damn names right at least of the main event participants uh let's talk about the ufc where the fights are competitive and the production is professional all the time i know you had a chance to uh look at the undercard and had some thoughts on uh, i wanted to touch quickly on some of the undercards starting with uh tracy cortez and justine kish what'd you think there no listen the, the women fight between uh cortez and kish uh good fight good fight and and again uh, whether boxing or UFC, MMA, I always say it's about who controls the geography. And I gotta say, so I'm sorry. I gotta be, I gotta be a little bit. Um, oh man, I hate to uh, have to be this, but I gotta show that I'm, I'm not as strong as I should be sometimes, and so I have to be a little shallow, a little thin-skinned, just a tiny bit, not too much. I don't I try not to do it too much, where. <laughs> I always talk about geography, you know, Ken, I've been doing it for my whole career uh, on broadcasting, talk about the geography of the ring. And about a couple of weeks ago, I'm watching one of the fights on one of the networks. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, just make a point. And one of the commentators, you know, analysts, uh, is, is doing what they do with the, what to look for. You know, the, the, the um, uh, what, what do you call it? Kind of like the, uh, the points of, you know, do's and don'ts, what to look for. And so he's he's doing it on the on the graphic and this is a guy who's been around a long time and he's you know, he's never, ever, 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 ever talked about geography. And I'm not saying I'm the only guy in the world who can talk about that. Like I don't I don't have a franchise on that. I don't have a trademark on that word. I get it. But when a guy never ever uses it and he's been around for years and then all of a sudden he's like, he's got to control the geography. I was like, man, it sounds familiar. I never heard you say that before. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds familiar. I, I never heard you say So again, <laughs> uh, sorry for being uh, so, so, so uh, sensitive um, for a moment. Uh, I got it out of my system and I got to, what do they say about imitation and flattery? Yeah, I mean, if, if they tell you that it's, if they actually say <laughs> who they're imitating. But for some reason, these people don't, like like when I say Warner Wolf, uh, lately on our show, I've been saying the, the Warner Wolf, the great Warner Wolf, uh, let's go to the videotape, you know, just to show that we're actually backing up what we've done. Well, I always say Warner Wolf. I don't say that's my thought. Let's go to the videotape. No, that's someone else's <laughs> thought. I, I mean, come on. Somebody teach yeah. somebody manners over here? I mean, there's <laughs> uh, still right and wrong. There's, there's still etiquette in this world, right? There's still standards <laughs> in this world, right? Anyway, of course. I, I digress like you did earlier. Um, no matter, it's always about who controls the geography of the ring or the octagon that makes most sense for their particular skills and abilities who who puts themselves in the best geography for what they got for what their abilities are and right away from the beginning that was well that was miss cortez immediately 
She she used her physical strength. She's a good grappler. She got in close. She got Kish on the floor, and uh, she she controlled the geography. She controlled the geography of the ring, the location of the ring, uh, that made sense for her. And she got she got a lead. And I give credit to Kish for making it a fight because uh, Kish came back in that third round and she did a marvelous job standing and striking, but not just standing and striking, her intellect, her skills, her timing. You know what she did? She I never saw anyone do this because they don't do it in fighting, in boxing, but she was... You know how I talk about somebody's timing someone's punches, Ken, right? You know, someone's throwing a punch. Bang, bang. You time that punch. You counter that punch. Well, she was timing Cortez's kicks. Wow. Wow. You know, I mean, you talk about staying in the eye of the storm and, and having some inner strength where you can stay calm in an uncalm place. You got kicks coming at you. And she's throwing punches in between the kicks. She was timing Cortez's kicks. Unbelievable. Tremendous. Bravo. I, I, I had to, she's got to get credit for that. And, and by doing that, she tightened up the, she tightened the fight up. I think she wanted probably, Cortez probably wanted two to one. I don't remember what the scores were, Ken, but uh, it, it felt like it was probably two to one. Uh, and, and it was a good fight and good skills, good toughness, uh, everything. Really, really was uh, tremendous. I was really impressed by, by both of them. I, I couldn't have been more impressed. And as I said, when I when I saw in that last round, when I saw that Kish was was timing kicks, timing kicks. One thing the time zone was left talk and then right. All right, that's that's tough. But timing kicks and being able to boom boom with her fist punch in between and and counter those kicks, I was very impressed. Yeah, I see that she um, she won twenty nine twenty eight. 30-27. One judge had uh, Cortez win in one of the rounds. Um, oh, so, oh, sorry. Ki sorry yeah, Kish that's won. how I would have. Um, I know you had some thoughts also on the um, uh, Alisson versus Jacob Malkoon fight as well. Ended up a unanimous decision for Malkoon, but what would you see in that one? Yeah, again, let me... You know, we're, we're, all, we're talking about people that aren't prepared and we get a little mad at them because they're supposed to be prepared. Let me freaking make sure that I am prepared with my 35 pages <laughs> of notes. I, I Some people wouldn't call that preparation. You know what they would call it, Ken, in fairness? Because I could look at myself that way and and, and, and point, you know, some, some laugh at myself and criticism at myself or whatever you want to call it. Some people would just call it insanity. <laughs> and, and, insanity. But anyway... Uh, Gosselum and Whitaker. Is that the one we're talking about? Uh, no, on the undercar, we had Abd Abdul Razak Hassan oh, and no, Jacob right. Malkoon. I think you wanted to touch on that one. It was uh, yeah, yeah, no. Jacob Malkoon uh, won a unanimous decision. Yeah, first of all, it was, it was a dominant, dominant performance by Malkoon. And I got to give uh, uh, Hassan credit for being game willing gritty tough uh all the way through you know sometimes people became in fights when they're getting dominated they become a game quitter they no longer try to win they just try to survive and and um they give in they submit to her even though they still take punishment and punishes but they they stop trying to win al-hassan never stopped trying to win he was dominated 
by Malcolm. But he's he's a strong guy, Al Hassan. He's he's a like I just said, he's a game son of a gun. Uh, he was trying all the way through. Uh, Malcolm was prepared. He knew what he had to do. Uh, he was a little more developed in certain areas. Again, 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 the battle of geography can, you know, belong to Malcolm. He got to where he dominated on the inside and on the floor, on the mat, um, to be specific. But as I said, give credit to Al Hassan for being so darn game and tough all night and uh, not giving in. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was a dominating performance for Malcolm. Uh, the only thing as a trainer, and I know that I'm not a UFC trainer, but I'm a fight trainer. The only thing, and there's parallels, obviously, and I'm learning on the job with the other stuff too as we go. And our great fans out there and our great MMA people, UFC people out there are being tolerant with me and, and understanding as I learn uh, these things and being more than gracious. But the only thing I could, and I'm not even pointing like, I don't know, I'm not even pointing like blame or, or a, you know, a, a, a knock on Malcolm because I just said he, he couldn't have been more dominant. The only thing he could have done better was finish. And I say the same thing in, in my sport, in boxing, where sometimes a guy would do everything, but they haven't learned how to finish. And now look, some of that has to do with Al Hassan. He didn't want to get finished. I get it. But um, looking at it from my, the lens that I look at it through my eyes, that's the one thing that maybe Mal, Mal Kuhn could could maybe have been a little better. And, I, and I'm stretching it. I'm stretching it to do that. I am. I'm reaching. But that, that he could just... As I said, sometimes you'll see fighters, you know, they they dominate the whole fight in boxing, but they don't know how to quite get the guy out. And look, there's certain guys you can't get out of there. I get it. I understand that. But sometimes some guys have a talent for an ability for finishing, you know? Like Tyson was a great finisher. Jack Dempsey was a great finisher. Joe Lewis, um, oh my God, well, maybe the greatest finisher of all time. Uh, and there's a reason for it. They They... There's a reason for it, that they have those qualities. And I'm just saying, that's the only thing that Malcolm maybe could work on is his finishing abilities. Um, but again, again, uh, Al-Hassan, I applaud you for your toughness, for your grit. And Malcolm, I say you had a great win, great win. And I was I was very, uh, very impressed again by how you understood where you needed to be, what you needed to be doing as far as the location of the octagon at all times. Yeah, and that brings us to the uh, main event. Um, Robert Whitaker beats Calvin Gastelum uh, handedly, showed all different dimensions of his game, looked awesome on the feet, but when, it was the, when the time was right, he took Calvin down almost at will. Looked like, looks like he added a new wrinkle to his game which could be massively beneficial in a rematch with Israel Adesanya. That was one thing that he looked to be lacking in that Izzy fight. So, yeah, curious to hear your thoughts there and uh, what you think about what's next for Whitaker. I love Robert Whitaker. He just seems like a really nice guy. But um, love to hear your thoughts on this one. I love both guys. I, I think both guys uh, conduct themselves like real fighters, real men, yep. uh, real people. Uh, as gentlemen, you know, 
and champions outside the outside where they perform. But uh, I tweeted before it started, Ken, that Gaslam looked pumped and ready to go. Maybe even a bit too ready, a bit maybe a little like like burning too fast, like like too anxious, like like really yeah, ready. Would you love to see? Unless you're a professional coach, then you know you look at it a little differently than you might as a layman because you say, wait, is he? Is he getting ready to start too hot? You know, is he is he a little over over anxious? You know, a little bit. Just you, you have to, as a coach, notice those things. I just like I said, I tweeted that I thought he might be a little too hot to go. He looked great, but a little too much. And and I even tweeted that he could get caught early uh, because he might be a little overly anxious or overly aggressive or even recklessly aggressive. And it played that way a little bit. It did. It played. And, and again, the gracious people at, at UFC and even at ESPN, somebody told me, put up some of, uh, some of the tweets that I put out there, which, you know, it's awful nice of them. But, um, and again, that's how I saw it. Uh, the way it played out was uh, Whitaker did a marvelous job, tremendous job of being prepared of knowing what his game plan, his fight plan had to be. You know, really, really, really. I always talk with, I don't care if it's UFC, MMA, or, or if it's boxing. The intellect, the intellect. You know, these guys are tough. We know that already. They're physical. We know that already. They know how to fight. We know that already. But the intellect, they're smart. They don't get enough credit sometimes. And Whitaker fought such a smart fight. He he controlled the... He knew where his advantages are. Taller, longer, on the outside. He knew that he had to control the outside. Gastelum, very strong guy. Probably wants to take him to the mat. Wants to get close at the very least. Wants to strike in close. His arms are shorter. You know, wants to bring his power, you know, to the kitchen, if you will. To the trenches, if you will. And Whitaker knew. His job was, don't let him do that. Don't let him do that. And he didn't let him do it. And you talk about consistency. You talk about discipline. He fought a disciplined, consistent fight for five, five-minute rounds. That was what it was magnificent about. Some people do it for one round, one and a half, two rounds, two and a half, three rounds, three and a half. And they get broken down with a strong, strong, determined. And Gastelum was strong and determined all night, all night. And you get broken down a little bit. You get, you do. The, the ocean starts to take some of the shore back with it when it comes to and it crashes to the beach and then it goes out again. There's less beach, but there was never less Whitaker. I mean, he stayed consistent all freaking night long, controlling the outside, striking on the outside, counterpunching Gaslam's, you know, aggression, knowing what he had to do, controlling range, controlling distance, mixing up kicks with punches. Uh, really, what a what a superlative job! Uh, it, it was really magnificent. He and again the consistency of under tough circumstances with a guy who's trying to get you every second, trying to get to you under that kind of pressure, uh, not to evaporate, you know, uh, you know, not to disappear and do it for four rounds and then all of a sudden the guy gets you. How many times have we seen that? We've seen it. We've seen it. Where the finally. The guy breaks through with all that pressure. Like I always say on ESPN, pressure breaks pipes and breaks people too. So it didn't break Whitaker. This guy was mentally, physically, spiritually, technically. He was prepared. Gaslam, I give him credit. He, he was strong. He was trying to bring his game. But Whitaker, Whitaker's game was better. Whitaker's game was 
stronger. Whitaker, what, what we would say in boxing, he fought his fight. He fought his fight. And again, he controlled the geography that he that he had to control. And just counterpunched all night, uh, you know, used his legs to keep range, to keep distance where he could get those punches off without getting grabbed by Gastelum, without letting Gastelum get into his punching position. Matter of fact, he was so good that it got me to tweet during the fight that this Whitaker is reminding me of the great Pinnell Whitaker. That, that's how good it was. That's how good it was. And that's good that he's reminding me of Sweet, Sweet Pea Whitaker with his counterpunching abilities. So uh, just a terrific, a terrific performance. And, and I'm going to go off of what you said earlier about people talking about the possibility of a rematch with, uh, the, with uh, Alessandra. Alessandra's tremendous, special talent, world champion, special champion. Uh, Whitaker got beat by him. I do my due diligence from what I understand. No excuses. Whitaker would never put one out there either. And Alessandra doesn't deserve anything to take away from what he does in the ring. But from what I understand, he was coming back. He wasn't, he hadn't been healthy. He had had some kind of health issues. Uh, he was coming back uh, at that time. Maybe he was 100, maybe he wasn't 100% in that fight. He got dominated by, by a great Alessandra. What, what am I saying? I'm saying he is 100%. If there's a possibility he wasn't, he's 100% now. He's, he's hitting on all eight cylinders right now, Whitaker. He's at a great place right now. And I would say, from my humble position, that uh, a rematch would be in order. Not, not, not because of anything like, oh, he would have been, I'm not saying that, just that he's earned the right to get back to a rematch. That's all I'm saying. And he's good enough. He's good enough when he's hitting on all eight cylinders like he was the other night. He's good enough to make a hell of a interesting competitive fight with the great Alessandra. Hey guys, once more, I want to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, PremierFightPicks.com. My man, Bardia Helmy. Check him out. The guy is on fire. He seemingly can't lose. Um, if, you, if you're betting on fights and you want the inside scoop, check out Bardia Helmy, PremierFightPicks.com to subscribe. He's offering a special weekly subscription, only 50 bucks a week. You'll get all his picks for UFC 261. And again, his subscribers have won on the last four UFC pay-per-view events in a row. Check him out, PremierFightPicks.com. Speaking of the UFC, sticking with that theme we have uh, coming up next weekend, we've got an awesome pay-per-view card. Camaro Usman rematching Jorge Masvidal in a sold-out Jacksonville, Florida stadium. Ooh, baby. Uh, pay-per-view event. Looking forward to this one. Ooh, baby. It's going to be big numbers. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Poirier is coming to Nashville to host a watch party on Saturday night, so we'll be in downtown Nashville watching the fight with Dustin uh, and a bunch of Ken other guys. Ken hanging out with his UFC buddies. Ken, Ken hanging with his UFC yeah. buddies. Yeah. 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 Huh. That's it. That's it. One of the perks of the job. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, what are the perks of being a good person? People uh, people don't hang out with bad people. <laughs> people, you know, they choose who they're hanging out with. If he's hanging out with you, obviously because he sees you as a good person. And, of course, we know Poirier to be a tremendous person uh, 
Besides being a besides being a great fighter, yeah, and Dustin actually signed a new sponsorship contract with um, PowerDot, one of the companies where I've been involved in. So congratulations to Dustin and uh, PowerDot, great partnership there. Uh, but what are you looking for in this rematch with? Uh, Usman and Masvidal, last time they fought, it was obviously on short notice for Masvidal. He said if he had a full camp, he was going to beat him. It was a pretty one-sided in the first fight. Obviously, we love Jorge Masvidal, but you know, even on short notice, not a lot of these guys stay in pretty good shape year-round. So uh, I'll be curious to see if the full training camp makes a difference for uh, Masvidal in this one. What uh, I'll for? start right there. It will make a difference. It will make a difference. It'll be more competitive. It'll be more of that. I'll put my reputation on the line, even though, again, I'm not a UFC guy, but whatever it is, I'll, my reputation in the fight world, I'll put on line. It's going to be more competitive. Matter of fact, I'll go even further. I think it could be an upset. Yeah. Yeah, I know how great Usman is. I, 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 I know how great he is. I do. And how physical he is and how great he is on the floor and the mat. Uh, and, you know, uh, and how determined he is, how tough he is, how he's, he's been hurt and he's come back. Uh, what a great chin he has. What great heart he is. What a great warrior he is. You know, and again, his physicality is, is unbelievable. His preparation, unbelievable. His conditioning, his cardio, unbelievable. I get it. I get it. I get it. But, um... I saw something. Remember Max Schmeling when he fought Joe Lewis the first time, the great Brown Bomber, the great Joe Lewis, was a world champion yet. He was on his way up, undefeated, and he was fighting Max Schmeling, this fighter from Germany. Max Schmeling was a hell of a fighter. And he, and of course, Joe Lewis is a big favorite, and they, and the, Back then, boxing was the biggest sport in the country, Ken. Biggest sport. So all the press. And right away, they go to Schmeling. Well, uh, do you, you think you, you think you got a chance here, you know? I mean, you're fighting the Joe Lewis. Looks like he's going to be one of the greats. And he says, I see something. I see something. And... Boy, oh boy, he was right. He knocked out Lewis. I think it was late in the fight. I don't know if it was the, it was the ninth or I forget what round it was. But he, he, he hit him all night with right hands. He saw something. He saw that Lewis had at that time, and he had to Drake, great Jackie Blackburn uh, as a trainer, who was a great fighter himself. What a, what a great team they were. Oh my God. And and Blackburn really was part of Lewis's success as a trainer. He really was. He developed Lewis, and Lewis was obviously a special, special fighter. Uh, my favorite heavyweight of all time I, I know you're going to attack me Muhammad Ali but listen I, I do have to choice who I think is the great Ali's number two Joe Lewis the great 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 Joe Lewis is is before the great great Muhammad Ali but anyway uh he saw something smelling. He he noticed that Lewis used to lay on his right, which he really shouldn't do. And sometimes, kind of like we talked about Paul uh, doing to Askren, sometimes when he threw the jab, he left himself open to a counter right hand. And Schmeling had a real good counter right hand. He was a good puncher. So he noticed that sometimes he laid on the right. You should finish on the left because you're outside the right hand. When you lay in the right, you're in the, you're in the lane, the traffic lane of the right hand, as I tell fighters. So he was laying over on the right and he was throwing a jab at a predictable pace too slow where you could time it and from a little too close and Schmeling knew he could time it and he did he timed it and he timed it all night and he uh he he wound up stopping the great Joe Lewis Joe Lewis later on two years later came back and and after winning the title against James Braddock, he revenged that loss. He said he wasn't champion. That's how proud Joe Lewis was. He said, I will not be champion. Of course he was champion. I will not be champion until I beat Schmeling. 
I will not be champ. Don't call me champion until I beat Schmeling. Well, he did. With the eve, with the, on the eve of World War II, on the eve of, with Nazi Germany and a maniac named Hitler saying that, that he's got the superior race, he's going to take over the world, all this freaking terrible crap, all this, this danger in the air, all of it. And here's Joe Lewis fighting Schmeling with a guy who had knocked him out. He's fighting him with, for the heavyweight title, the biggest title in the world at the time, in Yankee Stadium, outside with the world watching. Wow, you talk about pressure, people? You talk about pressure, people? You think there was a little pressure there? And the, you, the president of the United States called Joe Lewis and said, Joe, you got to win this. Joe, you got to win this for the good guys. I mean, you talk about pressure. What a man. But anyway, and what a fighter. So he... he re- he, of course, revenged that loss. What did he do in Yankee Stadium two years later? Well, he annihilated uh, Max Schmeling. He destroyed him. He knocked him out one round. I mean, you know, it was unbelievable. You talk about the Germans, they had the Blitzkrieg. Well, he blitzed them. He blitzed them. It was really something else. So I, I thought I saw something in the first Usman fight, I understood that he wasn't in top shape. And again, I love Usman, but I understood that I, I love Masvidal too. And I understood that Masvidal is, well, he's a different character. He's a different, a whole different personality, a whole different, uh, obviously, a, a, a whole different character, if you will. You know, he's a promoter. He's a guy that, Usman's more of a serious, uh, controlled laid-back kind of guy that's just very confident, very proud, as Masvidal is too. But Masvidal is more of a guy that, uh, you know, that kick it around, uh, get it going with, with talking and with promotional stuff, you know. And, and of course, Uvman is more about what he does in her octagon. Like, like my, my talking is with these, you know, and with the kicks and with whatever it is. So, but they're both terrific. And I noticed... In that first fight, I understood what I was looking at. I'm looking at a guy who took the fight on five, six days notice. He doesn't have a full tank of gas. And when you have a, don't have a full tank of gas, what do you do? You coast. You coast sometimes. You can't be hitting a gas pedal all the time. And I noticed that there was a spot. I can't remember what round it was. Maybe it was the first round. I'm not sure. But Ken, there was a spot where on his feet, where, where Masvidal has to be to win this fight. He's got to be on his feet. He's got to strike for the most part. I know he's good, good at preventing takedowns and escaping takedowns. He's gotten very good at that, very good at that. But that's his forte is not to be on the mat. That, that's going to go to Usman if, if they're going to wind up there. That's, if Usman gets that geography of the, of the cage, then he's going to win if he gets there. But Masvidal, I saw early on in spot, where he was standing where he needed to, where, where he was going to have his only chance to win, where he was standing in a striking pose, and he landed a right hand, a straight right hand, and I know this sounds crazy, but for a split flash there, I saw Ali and Foreman in Zaire, where Foreman's the stronger guy, of course, and he's always coming in, trying to get close, kind of like, like Usman, and I... And all of a sudden, Ali, and then I think it was the eighth round, he strikes out with a right hand and catches him. And then just for a split second, he catches Foreman. But then Ali had enough in the gas tank. Of course, he was, he was, he was fully prepared. And he unleashed three, four 
more punches after that, five more punches after that combination. And all of a sudden, what happened? Foreman started to go down. He started to pirouette. Maybe Robert get that up. It'll be a beautiful visual for us. Um, but he started to pirouette around the ring and he went down. And the great Ali did the unthinkable. He knocked out the undefeated great monster puncher George Foreman in Zaire at 4 o'clock in the morning. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Talk about historic fights. So there was just a flash moment. Because, you know, again, it would have been a huge underdog. It would have been a huge upset if Masvidal pulled it off, especially under those circumstances, right, Ken? would have been a huge upset. All of a a sudden, I saw that. I saw the right hand land. I said, oh, there's there's a window. There's an opportunity for an Ali Foreman moment. But no, because unlike Ali, who could follow up with those three, four, five punches to finish the job, Masvidal couldn't do that. He wasn't able to do that. He didn't have it in the gas tank to do that. And not only with the punches, but with the legs. Because to do that, Ali moved his legs so Foreman couldn't fall into him. So Foreman couldn't, he kept that separation. And that's what Masvidal has to do to win. Not just with his hands, but with his legs. He's got to have fresh legs. He's got to have good legs. Of course, a good sense of of distance and range of keeping the guy where he needs to keep... uh, where he needs to keep Usman, he needs to do that. But, you know, geography, control geography at all times. But he needs his legs. He needs fresh legs. Uh, and he didn't have fresh legs. He needs to be able to move off to the side and and keep Usman reaching, keep Usman from closing the gap, and then keep the hands going. And if he can do that now, that he's going to go in there with a full tank of petrol, a full tank of gas, guess what? I think he could take that moment a little further. I think he could take that moment a little further. Yeah, I think he maybe he can. I've seen Usman hurt, and if, if Masvidal hurts him, I'll tell you, unlike what I was talking earlier about, you know, having to be a better finisher, and some guys have the, the ability to be a finisher, they have the instincts to be a finisher, Masvidal has those instincts. He has those instincts to be a finisher. And if Masvidal can do that, if he can if he can open that crack, if he can open that crack in Usman just a little bit where he gets that straight right hand in there, oh, and he gets that effect. Before Usman can recover and maybe get in close, I could see Masvidal using his legs to, to get to the side and keep that stream of punches going where it could take him maybe to an upset. Maybe. It's not going to be easy, but I could see the possibilities of that. And um, I, 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 really, I really can. And the final thing is the mental state. I, a lot of people say, well, you lost the first time, Ted. Listen. I have to think. Again, I'm in this business. That's all I've ever done my whole life I, uh, in the fight business. I did paint one house. I did. <laughs> I, I, was, I was 18 years old. I painted a house upstate at Cusses, and I did a good job. Ken, I scraped. I put two layers on. I, 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 I Was it two or three? I might have put three coats on. I, I, put the, I put the undercoat on, and then I put two coats on top. I scraped. Man, oh, man, I did. A, I did. I was proud of that. I was proud of that. I really was. I went up there like 20 years later with my wife and I drove by she'd go why are we going down the street I want you to see this house you see this house I painted that 
Really? Really? You remind me, that reminds me of Cosmic and you drive by the uh, mafia houses in the Bronx every time you take you to the Everlast Yeah, factory. Murderers Incorporated. They lived across the street. <laughs> they lived across the cuts. I know. I know. And I'm glad they're not around. I'm glad they're not home right now. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I know, Cuts. I know. I know that they live right here. So anyway, God bless Cuts. But um, I, I just, the mental state is so important. His mental state could not have been good, and I'm talking about Masvidal. Maybe to you know to survive and do what he had to do, but it could not have been great going in there with six days notice. He did what he had to do. He got paid and he survived. He did what he had to do. He did, and 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 uh, and nobody else says that they wouldn't try to do the same damn thing. Uh, and and it, it took something special. It took a special guy just to do what he did. Yeah, just to get through that with a beast, a beast like Usman. Like my son says when he's being complimentary of those football players, you know, that he's looking for with the Raiders. By the way, I got I, I to gotta say, uh, Raiders, baby, uh, <laughs> the, the draft a week away. The draft uh. is coming, baby. <laughs> Teddy Atlas the third, and Mike Mayock and, and, and Gruden and, and the whole scouting team, everyone, all, they're ready, baby. The Raiders are coming, baby. All right, I digress. So um, getting back to this, you had to be special. Masvidal had to be a special guy mentally, Ken, to be physically too, but mentally to go in there, that compromise with six days notice. And like I said with my son, he would always say when he gets one of these great guys, uh, these, these tremendous guys that, uh, <laughs> that have run in four 340s and under four threes, and he says that, they're beasts. And like I said, he says it with, with the most complimentary love you can say. It. They are beasts, Dad. This guy's a beast. I said, once he says a guy's a beast, I'm, I'm marking the guy down. I said, this guy's going to be special. And, and, <laughs> and that's, that's what Masvidal was in there with. He was in there with Usman, a beast. And he was in a compromised state, physically and mentally, because you can't be 100% mentally when you know you're not right. You know you're not what you want to be. Yet, he had to be a special son of a gun to do what he did under those circumstances and still be standing. After five, Really, it was remarkable. A lot of people probably don't look at Not only last minute, but it was over in the Middle East, so he had to take a like huge, long flight. No time to acclimate. Yeah, typically you need one day per hour of time change when uh, traveling to, uh, especially for an athletic endeavor. No time to acclimate, 100%. Yep. No, you're so right, Ken. I mean, he had so much going against him. And the only thing going for him was the person he was. Really? Yep. And, and he showed that. So now here he is with full time to be prepared. I have to think that he's going to be, again, a lot of people say the upper hand mentally would be Usman. He won the first time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to differ a little bit. I'm not going to say Usman's going to not be what he always is, which is 100% confident as a warrior that he is, a champion that he is, a proud man as he is. But I'm going to say that Masvidal is going to be really good mentally. I'm going to say that he's going to say, hey, kind of what Teddy's talking about. If I could do what I did, knowing how compromised I was, and he knows how compromised he was, knowing how compromised I was and unprepared I was, if I could do what I did and survive and go through what I was, wow, I can win this. 
I could win this. I think that's where he's going to be mentally. I really do. I think he's going to say, kind of like smelling. I saw something. I saw something. I see something here. And I think now he'll be prepared to execute it. And uh, and I think that mentally he's going to be in that place. He's going to be, yeah, wow. I, I Watch me now. Watch me. If I did what I did before, watch what I can do now. So I, I think it's going to be a very, very, very interesting fight. Contrasting styles, very contrasting styles, contrasting personalities. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Yeah, I am as well. And uh, that'll be a good one. The UFC never disappoints. Good competitive matchup, a lot of bad blood. I'm excited for that one. Um, this was a lot of fun. We've got a lot of fights coming down the pike uh covid restrictions being lifted like i said last next week is the first um ufc show in front of a full sold out crowd in in jacksonville florida there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of others that are um sold out one in may in in texas and then we've got um dustin versus connor in july in uh vegas and i'm gonna try to get to that one um but yeah, lots to be excited about on the fight front. I think some of these big fights should get made now with the with the uh, COVID restrictions being lifted. So you got anything else to add before we sign off for the week? No, only thing is when you're at the Poirier uh, uh, Connor fight in July, when you're there sitting there in your usual ringside seat that they reserve for Ken Rideout <laughs> now whenever he goes to any kind of fight, uh, people should know that it's always reserved, you know. Uh, if, if you walk by there and you're, you know, uh, you, you see a roped off section, you can be pretty sure that that's roped off for, for Ken. But the only thing I would say is when, when you're there, you know, uh, help him like you'd normally do, to the same way as you help yeah, Ruiz yeah. and the same way as, you know, you were there for Areola um, and, and you kept him going in a fight that he was a big yeah. underdog in against an undefeated fighter in New York. You know, give him the advice you give, you know, but just, just don't, you know... Be careful not to to stop when when the bell rings. That's all I'm saying. Like you know, just stop when the bell rings. But you know, give them the usual advice from inside. Just uh, but don't just be careful because I, we both love Poirier. Don't get don't distract them where you. Dustin, listen. Don't forget you had to do the and, and it doesn't might be. That's I all got you. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us. Please subscribe, like, you know the routine. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Teddy. Thank you.